Well, today I want to talk to us about the most powerful, most valuable thing we have in life. All of us have some of it. Most of us want more of it. And don't get too freaked out. I'm not talking about money. It's not money. It's not possessions. It's not relationships. It's actually nothing I can even hold in my hands or, or tangibly touch. I only have 35 minutes of it to communicate, so let's not waste any more. Today, we're talking about time. Welcome again, by the way, to everyone who's here today, uh, whether you're live here in the auditorium or watching on a video screen. So glad that you're with us. If you're new here, uh, also, thank you for coming today. My name's Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here. We're in week number two of a five-week sermon series we're calling Fences, Living Beyond the Boundaries. And in this series, we're talking about what it takes to live beyond or even tear down some boundaries, some fences that we've created in life so that we can live in the wide open expanse of life, what Jesus calls life to the fullest. Actually, part of our vision here at Element, we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, to connect them into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. And one of the fences I've been telling you about that we are tearing down as a church is in the number of our worship experiences that we are offering on Sunday. Since the start of the year, we have seen attendance numbers even continue through the summer at heights that we have never seen before. And so after lots and lots of prayer and tons of work and preparation by our staff and many of our volunteers, we know it's time for us to move from three to four worship experiences. I hadn't thought about this until I was prepping for the message, but it was kind of cool, for, at least for me, that at the same time our church is tearing down a fence by adding a fourth worship experience, I'm personally tearing down a fence of my own, not in my yard, so I'm not recruiting help. Um, I'm actually releasing a book along with this sermon series uh, that we're launching at, at the same time. So on Sunday, October 14th, um, not only are we adding that fourth worship experience, uh, so 8.30, 10, 11.30 a.m. is our new morning times, and then 6 p.m. service as well. So not only are we adding that to our schedule, but I'm also uh, launching a, a sermon series built around the book that has been on my heart for years. I finished it a few uh, months ago, and we'll be releasing that. It's called My Declaration a challenge for men to rise up. Now, I believe in our world today, there is a deficiency of men and a deficiency in men. I believe our world's actually in desperate need of men today. Not men in quantity, but men in character. And so in this series and through the book, we're gonna challenge men, yes, but really we will challenge all of us to rise up and live in the character our world desperately needs through the God-given purpose and potential we already have in this life. I believe something was started within us when we were born. That something was actually placed in all of us by God himself, and it might lie dormant and ready to rise. And so we're gonna rise up to be all that God called us to be in this series, pursuing uh, what God has for us. We're gonna finish what was started in us. You can actually pre-order my book right now. I kind of released the pre-order over the weekend. Uh, you can go to jeffmanis.com store. Gotta fix my microphone here for a second, apologies. 
jeffmanis.com slash store. Lord willing, the book will be released actually physically on October 23rd. So you can buy a copy now. If you pre-order it, uh, you will also get a, an amazing song that our worship pastor, Pastor Jared wrote and is releasing as well. It's called My Declaration. You get that for free if you pre-order a book along with some other free stuff as well. I'm super, super excited about the book. I'm extremely nervous about this as well. It is definitely uh, stretching me outside of my faith and taking a risk in this. So I'd love for you to buy a copy or 12. That would be incredible. Um, just, just so you know, every dollar that's made on this book, every dollar is going to help feed uh, hungry children, specifically four of them, Jonah, Mariah, Michaela, and Jada Manis. So thanks for laughing at that. I thought that was funny as well. Uh, while the book and the series is targeted towards men, please don't feel like if you're not a man that it won't uh, apply to you. Everyone will benefit from this. We're all going to be inspired in this. I encourage everyone uh, to, to read the book, to be a part of the series. And I would just encourage you to start spreading the word uh, about the, the book, the series, the fourth service. Be praying for us as well, praying for that book as it comes out. I believe God's got some cool things in store for that. And we'll have invite cards coming up here for this series series as well. This whole series we're in now called Fences is born from 2 Corinthians 6 verses 11 through 13. It's our theme passage for the series. I'm reading out of the message uh, uh, version of the Bible and it says this, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in, and there's the inspiration for the series. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection, and I love the last two sentences. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. One of the ways I believe that we fence ourselves in or live in a small way is in the use of our time, me included, me included. Instead of living in the wide open expanse of time that we are, are offered, we, we tend to hoard time for ourselves. We, we don't really use it for the opportunity that, that it provides. Have you, have you ever looked at someone in life that seems to accomplish so much and you say to yourself or even say out loud, man, they accomplish so much more than me. Where do they find the time? Ever say that before? The reality is, though, they don't find more time, do they? Right? Like, like that, that's the thing with time. Time is the ultimate socialist. Everyone gets the same. Come on, that's funny right there. You left a little bit more than first service, but I'll try it again tonight and see what happens. We all get 24 hours in a day, right? No more, no less, 24 hours in a day. It's how we use time that makes the difference. So how are we using time? How are we using our time? Well, I found a study that was done on how full-time employed Americans use their time. We've got an infographic for you on here that kind of shows it on, on a clock. So uh, full-time employed Americans, on average, they spend on their day, the first red one there, uh, nine hours a day on work or work-related activities, nine hours a day. I was surprised to find out that the average American sleeps seven hours and 55 minutes a night, so rounded up to eight hours a night, which I thought was more than what it would have been, but we average eight hours of sleep 
a night. Then we average 90 minutes, 90 minutes of housework, cleaning, home maintenance, taking care of the home or whatever. If you have children, the rest of your day is spent cleaning. Can I get a witness up in this place today, right? Like cleaning is just overwhelms our life if you, have, if you have kids. We actually spend only one hour a day eating and drinking. I was surprised how little that was, but I was also surprised we spend on average 35 minutes a day shopping. Women, 35 minutes a day shopping in our lives. And the last one, we spend 30 minutes a day caring for our household members. So caring for one another in the home. Add all those up. I rounded the numbers up or down to make them even. But if you add them all up, 20.5 hours of our day are gone with just those things, leaving 3.5 hours of what we call free time in our lives. Which, by the way, the average American male, work, full-time working male, spends three hours, 20 minutes a day on leisure or sports activities. The average woman spends two hours, 46 minutes on leisure or going to the bathroom with another woman. The last part's a joke. The first thing was not. Two hours, 46 minutes on leisure. The number one leisure activity in America. Anyone want to guess? Watching TV, number one leisure activity. Now, I'm not saying anything against any of those things. I'm not saying any of that is, is bad or, or wrong. I personally love watching TV. It's one of my favorite pastimes. I'm just saying by the time we get in, the necessities of life, sleep, work, family, caring for the household, and eating, we have three and a half hours left. So managing time is not the problem. We have the exact same amount every day and then it's gone and we start all over again. Tomorrow morning, you will start with a fresh 24 hours. So time to me is like ice. Hang with me here. I promise I have a point. Time's like ice. Imagine I came to you with a pitcher or, or container of ice and I, and, I, and I put some in your hand and I said, hey, would you, would you manage this ice for me? Would you manage the ice? Like, you basically have one of two options to manage ice. You can find a freezer and keep it frozen, or you can hold it and it will all go away, right? Like, the, you, you can't manage ice. Even right now in the few seconds that I've held it in my hands, it's already melting. Like, it's, it's going away. So, this is huge, by the way. Imagine I came to you and I said, hey, with a pitcher of ice or a container of ice, I said, hey, I put some ice in your hand. Would you leverage this ice for me? That's a different ballgame. The possibilities to leverage ice are endless. For instance, you, you can put ice into coffee and you now have the nectar of heaven in iced form. <laughs> Called iced coffee. My wife surprised me with an iced coffee from Starbucks yesterday. It was delicious. You could... I'm not saying I've ever done this before, but you could throw it over the stall in the bathroom and call it a practical joke. You can crush it all up and put sugary syrup on it and call it a snow cone. You can find someone who has an injury and help decrease their swelling. You can put some in your mouth, let it melt and be hydrated. Like the reality is ice is not meant to be managed. It's meant to be leveraged. And the same is true with time, by the way. In fact, our big idea for today, it's on the screens, if you want to write it down, is this. Time is not meant to be managed for God. 
It's meant to be leveraged for good. That I don't think God gives us time in the hopes we manage it, hold on to it till it all melts away. It's not meant to be managed for God. It's meant to be leveraged for good. That I do something good with the 24 hours that have been given to me. Even if you're here today and you don't believe in God, you can still do good with your time. That's why I love it that you are here today. If you, if you don't believe that this message still applies to you. In fact, we work really hard at trying to make sure our messages apply to both believers and non-believers alike. So, so I would encourage you, please come back. You're invited to be a part of our church, even if you don't believe yet. But, but for those of us who do believe, for those of us who believe that eternity awaits us on the other side of this life, and eternity awaits those we come in contact with every single day. For those of us who believe that what we do with our time now affects our time in eternity, then this is of utmost importance in our lives. Colossians in the New Testament, chapter four, verse five, a man we call the Apostle Paul writes these words, live wisely, among those who are not believers and make the most, everyone say most. Make the most of every opportunity. That same guy, Paul, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 in the New Testament says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. He says it again, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So I, I just think until we start seeing time as something to leverage and not something to manage, we will never make the most of every opportunity. A time's not meant to be managed. It's meant to be leveraged for good. If you're a Christian, our time's meant to be leveraged for God's good, not my own, for his good, his gain, his glory. So the big question I think has to be this, how do we leverage our time for good? How do we leverage our time for good? The main scripture is Psalm 39, four through seven Psalms in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. If you got a hard copy of the Bible, it's about halfway through. Uh, so if you didn't bring a Bible with you, no worries. We'll have it all on the screens, although I do encourage you to bring a Bible with you when you come to church. And if you don't own one, please let us give you one for free. We do it every single week. If you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one at guest services. Just ask for one there. We're jumping into the middle of a thought here. And uh, ironically, for sake of time, we can't read the whole chapter. So I encourage you later this week, while you are leveraging your time, see what I did there? While you're leveraging your time, read the whole chapter. It's really, really good. There's some great stuff in there outside of what we are reading today. So Psalm 39, starting in verse four, King David is writing this, the same David that defeated Goliath says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. So the first thing we gotta do to leverage time for good, I think is right, found right there. Number one is this, we need to understand time well. We need to understand time well. 
I want, I want everyone to participate in a little thing with me here, okay? So this is an all skate. Everyone involved, remember all skates, by the way? That was awesome at the skating rink. Uh, couple skate terrified because my palms sweat, but all skate, hey, let's all go out there. We're all good. So this is an all skate. I want, I want everyone to put out your hand like this with the palm out front. Everyone put out your hand like this, okay? Now hit the person next to you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Some of you were way too excited and way too ready to hit the person you came with, all right? Put your hand out like this. We're not going to hit anybody. This is not checking to see if you need a manicure or how cute your manicure is. This, this is your reminder of time. The back of your hand is the reminder of time. You can put your hands down. Psalm 39.5, go back to that. David said, you've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime's a moment to you, God. At best, each of us is but a breath. Gone. Gone. This all got me thinking about my own life and how much time I really have. I'm not having a midlife crisis, don't worry. None of us really know how much time we have, do we? None of us. Like, we're, we're not guaranteed the next day, let alone the next decade, right? Job, in the book of Job in the Old Testament, he says this about God. Job 14, verse 5, God, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. So again, this all got me thinking, how long do I have left? I'm 44 years old right now right? Or 44 years young, however you want to look at it. Uh, I was out for a walk uh, earlier this week with my daughter, Jada. Uh, we were out walking the dogs, a beautiful night. I don't remember why we were talking about how old we were, but we were talking about how old each of us were. And uh, I was like, can you believe I'm 44? And my daughter, Jada said, you don't look like you're 44. Like you look like you're in your thirties or something. I said, you are my favorite child. <laughs> And, and she said, no, seriously, Dad. She said, when I tell my friends you're 44, they all think that you can't be over 35. I'm like, here's my credit card, buy whatever you want. <laughs> so I'm 44 years old. The average American male lives 74 or 78.74 years. We'll round that up to 80 just to keep it simple. And we're going to do some math here in a second. So if I meet the average lifespan of 80 years, I'm currently 44 years old. That means I have a, a, you know, a portion of my pinky of my ring finger left and, and, a, and the rest of my pinky if it's the width of my hand. I'm trying to be careful here with what I do with my fingers pointing at you. <laughs> That's how long I have left. My life's but the width of my hand. And when I think about that, I wish my pinky was fatter. <laughs> Some more time left. So I actually measured my pinky, my, my hand. I put my hand down on paper. I marked two sides. I measured it. And it came out to four and a half inches, roughly. Four and a half inches wide is the width of my hand. So I'm going to round it down to four. So we're, again, we're going to do some math here in a second. And I thought, okay, average hand is four inches wide. Our life's but the breadth of our hand. What can we do to illustrate how small, how brief our life is? I wanted something in the room to compare, you know, four inches to, to get the, the scope of it. And so I measured, actually, guys, you can get ready for that wide shot here. I measured the width of the platform. So not counting the, the diagonal sections, just the center width is 42, I believe, if I remember correctly, 42 feet wide. So if you times that by inches, represented on the platform, if you divide the inches on the platform by four, there are 126 lifetimes represented on this platform. If you multiply, multiply that by 80 years, it's 10,080 years of lifetimes on this platform. 
Sometimes like, well, I don't want to lay down and put my hand up on the thing. So, ah! <laughs> That's how long your life is in comparison to 125 others. So, life, 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 life. Mine, boom, gone. And time continues. Like, we're a blip on the radar. Literally a blip in the concept of time. And yet we consume our four inches with ourselves. <laughs> so I, I wanted to get a little bit more personal, a little bit more specific, and I got a ruler out. I was like, well, if life is four inches, then on a ruler, there's three lifetimes. Only three. So for parents in the room, you have your life, your kid's life, potentially your grandkid's life, and then you're all gone. All of you. If, you, if you're not a parent, then you have your parents' life, your life, and the next generation that you can pour into, and then you're all gone. Three lifetimes in 12 inches. This was super helpful for me to recognize how limited my time is, and so I wanted to be helpful for you. And so we got a thousand of these rulers printed. We'll see if we can zoom in on this thing here. We got a thousand of these rulers printed, and we'll give them away until they're gone. But it's got the Element Church logo on there, our main scripture for today, and then a math equation, four inches equals one lifetime. And so as you go out today, they're at the doors. You can grab one and take one with you. I encourage you to put it somewhere you'll see it to remind you of how brief your time is. Put it somewhere somebody will ask you about it, at desk, at work, or something. Uh, talk about leveraging time. You know, put it where someone will say, what's that? You can tell them about what we've been talking about in this series. Time's not meant to be managed for God. It's meant to be leveraged for good. So how do we leverage time? Lord, teach me to realize how brief my time is, my life with the width of my hand. I've got to understand time well. Then David says this, verse 6. We are merely moving shadows. Think about a shadow, how it appears and it's gone with the sun. All our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. That phrase, all our busy rushing ends in nothing. That we're just busy, 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 but at the end of the day, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. If I could speak for David here, I think what he's saying is not only should we understand time well, but when we understand it, number two is this, we need to use time wisely. We've got to use time wisely. Moses, in Psalm 90, verse 12, writes this, Teach us to realize the brevity of life, the shortness of life, so that we may grow in wisdom. So how are we using our time? Am I using it wisely? When I stand before God one day, and I will, how will God say I've leveraged my time? Have I done it wisely? And listen, please hear me, please. In no way am I saying that we can never go out and do anything fun or frivolous with our time. That's not what I'm saying. I am not saying that every extra second we have, we should be reading the word of God and telling people about Jesus and fasting and praying with every waking moment of us. Not what I'm talking about. I'm just asking, are we wise with the use of our time? Are we wise. I mean, that's what Paul said in Ephesians where we started out. He says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
Make the most out of every opportunity. So I'll ask it this way. Are, are we at least starting with the things of God and building our life around that? Or are we trying to fit God into our already busy schedule? Do we start with God and build around that or are we just trying to squeeze God in to the few minutes, the three and a half hours of our day? I'll tell you this. I believe Satan, our enemy, knows exactly how to keep us unproductive and unprotected in our faith. He keeps us busy. He keeps us busy. Like if I were to ask for a show of hands right now, how many of you feel like your life is busy? That we throw them up, throw your hands in the air and wave them around like a jump. No, no. I'm weird today. I don't know what to tell you. I'm weird every day, but more weird today. Like our hands would go up, right? Mine would. I feel like my life is, is busy. It's just busy. I believe there's three things, and you will not be surprised at what these three things are. There's three things in the life of a Christian that are the best ways to keep your faith productive and your faith protected. And when I say protected, I'm not talking about if you do these three things, God will never let bad things happen to you. I'm talking about when bad things do happen to you, you need these three things to build you up in your faith. Okay? Here they are. Daily spending time with God in the word and prayer regularly engaging in church, connecting into a small group. Daily time with God in the word and prayer, regularly engaging in church, connecting into a small group. I firmly believe that until those three things are a priority in our life, we will continue to struggle with feeling unproductive in our faith and unprotected in our faith. And listen, I, I, I get it. I know you're busy, because I'm busy. Like, I know you're busy. I, I get it. The, in fact, the top two reasons I ever hear from people as to why they can't connect with God through his word, that they struggle going to church and getting into a small group, the top two things, I'm too busy and I'm so tired which by the way, we're tired because we are busy. I'm too busy and I'm so tired that I just can't connect into those things. And I also know how counterintuitive this sounds because all three things I just said we should do, they all take what? Time. They all take time. So all three of those things take time, which means yes, we might have to start cutting things out in our life to fit those other things in, but isn't that a part of wisdom? Amen. Wisdom says, I will do what's best for me, not what feels best in the moment. That's wisdom. I'll do what is best for my life, not what feels best in the moment. And what's best for my life is to start with those three things. Connecting with God through word and prayer, regularly engaging in church, getting into a small group. I can't think of a wiser use of our time than to start there. That should not be what we do with our whole life, but our life should start there and then we build things around that. 
so that our foundation is solid. Spend time with God in the word every day and prayer. If you don't know how to do that or what to do, we offer a ton of free devotionals. You can take them and start helping us walk you through the Bible. Get signed up for starting points. A great place to start getting connected to the word of God. Use the free YouVersion Bible app, okay? Come to church regularly. Whenever you are available, you should never wake up on Sunday and ask the family, are we going to church? Unless there's something that literally takes you out of town that you can't come to church, church should be a natural part of your life. You're all here today, so you're off the hook, but, right? You should never wake up and ask your kids, should we go to church? No, Sunday we go to church. It's God's house. We're going to gather together and engage in worship and the word and fellowship and being a servant in God's house. You need to connect into a small group. If you've not done that yet, you can still sign up today. Stop by the small group's table. Ask some questions. Find a group for you. I'm telling you, I have not found a more powerful avenue for my faith to grow outside of my personal time with Jesus than my small group. I, I, I'm in a group with a bunch of other guys, and I'm telling you, I'm the pastor in that group, but they're pastoring me. I'm learning from them, and they're leading me in my faith as well. You need to connect into a small group. Find one to plug into. Everything else in life flows out from there. That should, that should fuel the other parts of our day. Time with God, time in his house, time with his people. Then once all that priority is worked out, God, his house, his people, you got to start then going out from there. So start asking questions like, God, how do I leverage time with my family? Parents in the room, you might need to say no to the next activity or sport so you can say yes to what's best for your child. Pausing for a second. I'm not going to say it. Maybe instead of opening social media, when you have an extra five minutes, standing in line somewhere, in the lobby of the doctor's office, at home in the living room, when you have that extra five minutes, instead of opening up social media, what if you engaged in a conversation with someone? Pastor Jared, by the way, preached just a heck of a sermon on the power of social media and technology back in July. It was incredible. I'd encourage you to go back and, and, and watch that whole thing. Maybe instead of playing a game, on your phone or device, which by the way, this is, this is my guilty thing. I find myself standing in line at the bank or sitting in the doctor's office or in line at Starbucks or, or sitting in the drive-through of some place and it, you know, time delays for a moment and I just take out my phone and boom, open Instagram, just instinctively. So instead of opening social media or playing a game, what if you just prayed for those who were in your vicinity? Just once or twice. Not, not out loud, that's super weird, right? Like, Hey, by the way, I'm praying for you right now. <laughs> Want to come to church? No. <laughs> yes. I, I bet we all could look at how we leverage our time and just make a few adjustments here or there so that my four inches actually makes a lasting impact and doesn't just melt away. So many times, guys, I'm, I'm content with, with my ice melting when I could be leveraging it for good. I'm, I'm guilty, okay? 
So time's not meant to be managed for God. It's meant to be leveraged for good. How do we leverage time? We've got to understand it well. We've got to use it wisely. And then Psalm 39, 7 says this. And so, Lord, because time is short, because my time is limited, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Isn't that good? So the third thing we got to do to leverage time is this. We need to unleash time through worship. Unleash it through worship. And when I say worship, I'm talking about so much more than singing. Worship is more than singing, gang. True worship is when God and his ways are the priority in my life. Not a priority, the priority. And everything else falls under his lordship. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope's not in my job. I need a job, but that's not where my hope is. So, God, would you help me leverage time on the job for your good? God, my hope's not in my family. I love my family, but my hope is not in them. Why? Because they could all be gone tomorrow. So my hope's not in my family, but God, when I'm with my family, would you help me leverage my time? for good. That God, my hope is not in my money or my possessions or my hobbies or my relationships. God, my only hope is in you. So would you help me leverage all the time in my life, in every one of those areas of my life, so that I manage them for your good and your gain and your glory, so I leverage time for you, God. Did you know this is actually one of the ways in our life we should be more like the devil? How's this to a close of a sermon? You should act like Satan. You're like, I got that one figured out. <laughs> Praise Jesus, I finally came to church and can do what the pastor said. Revelation 12, verse 12. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing he has little time. The devil makes the most of every opportunity. Do I? Woo. It's actually one way we should be more like the devil. Make the most of every opportunity. Jesus also did this. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was so intentional with his time. Getting away by himself to be with God taking every moment and making the most of it. Even there's in Luke 9.51, it's not on the screen, it's not in the notes, but Luke 9.51, it says, as the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, or literally as the time drew near for him to die and rise from the dead, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Meaning, Jesus chose to use his limited time to walk to the cross for me and for you. So maybe you're here today and you, you, you didn't know that, that Jesus leveraged his time for you. He chose in his limited 33 years of life to lead it perfectly. Then he died in our place. He rose from the dead and said, by faith in me, you can be forgiven of your sins, have a new life today and eternal life with me forever. I'm not going to give an open res uh, response here in this service, but if you want to talk to me more about what it means to put your faith in Jesus, please don't waste the time. Today is the day of salvation. So find me, find a prayer team member. We'd love to talk to you about what that means. For the rest of us, I'm going to close in prayer here in a moment. 
I just want us to pause for just a few seconds and ask God, Lord, how do you want me to leverage my time better? Just ask that right now. God, how do you want me to leverage my time better? Jesus, thank you that you didn't waste time. You leveraged every opportunity for those around you and for those who would put their faith in you. So Lord, I want to leverage my time better. Would you help us to understand it well, to use it wisely and unleash it through worship? And so Lord, where do we put our hope? Our only hope is in you. Thanks for being our hope today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll have some rulers on the way out. Please take one. Don't let your kids hit each other with them. (laughs) Or the adults. If you're new here, stop by the living room on your way out. Love to meet you there. And if you need prayer, stop by the purple tent in the back. We've got a prayer team to pray for anything going on in your life. Love you guys. You're dismissed.